1 Samuel chapter 3, 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1, God appeared to Jeremiah and he said, Jeremiah, I appointed you before you were conceived in the womb to be a prophet to the nations. God had a purpose for Jeremiah's life and Jeremiah didn't have an easy ministry. It was a dark time in Israel's history. And largely, people ignored what Jeremiah said. Uh, I remember my mom uh, talking about counseling, and she said, when I was going to the ministry, she said, Roger, uh, don't give it unsolicited advice, and then if, if uh, somebody comes to you for advice, don't expect them to follow it. Uh, and so uh, I have seen that from time to time in, in my ministry. Uh, but Jeremiah was declaring the words of God, and the people didn't listen. What a discouraging time uh, in, in some ways for him. But, but there were some who did listen. But the thing is, God had appointed him, and not only did he have a purpose in Jeremiah's lifetime, but he had a purpose beyond Jeremiah's lifetime, and because Jeremiah... Uh, would be the one who would declare not only the judgment that was coming, but also the message of hope. And uh, when the people were going through the time of judgment, what a comfort to have those words written down that Jeremiah had declared to them years ago uh, that said, God is going to restore you, he's going to bring a new covenant, and he has a plan for you. Jeremiah fulfilled God's purpose during a dark season in the nation of Israel and Judah. Uh, God has called us to fulfill his purpose during a dark time in our nation. Uh, and maybe a dark time in, in your life personally. But uh, there is hope for those dark times. That's what this scripture is about today. Uh, if you read the book of Judges, or if you were here when we, we preached through that book, you know that is one of the darkest books in all the scripture. It ends uh, just in the depths of depravity. And Samuel picks up where Judges leaves off. And the prayers of Hannah and the appointing of Samuel are the beginning of the shift and the turning uh, toward hope for the nation of Israel. Samuel was used of God because he had a heart for God. Eli, on the other hand, was not listening to God. He was unwilling to follow God's purpose and address the problem with his sons. And so Samuel has a willing heart. He is ready to listen to God even though he's new at it. And he's, he's, uh, he has to have Eli tell him, okay, say, speak your servant hears. Uh, he, he has a heart that's ready to listen. And because he is living for God and he is speaking the truth, he becomes a light in the nation. Now, God may not call you to be an Old Testament prophet uh, or a priest, but he has a specific purpose for each and every one of us to fulfill. And no matter how dark the situation, God's people uh, can be a light. Uh, Jesus said, you're a city set upon a hill. Uh, you and I are the light. Jesus said, don't put your light under a bushel. Remember that song when you were little? Don't let Satan blow it out, right? 
just keep on shining for Jesus. Keep on letting people know about the hope that there is in Jesus. I believe there is hope for our nation because there are people of God who are willing to speak up for God, who are willing to share the truth, who are willing to obey God and fulfill the purpose for which God has put them here. Um, and so we need to do that in, uh, in faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the title of my message is The Hope for a Dark Nation. Um, so look with me at verse 1, and we'll read through this scripture. It says, The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days the word of the Lord was rare, and prophetic visions were not widespread. One day Eli, whose eyesight was fading, was lying in his usual place before the lamp of God had gone out. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. I didn't call, Eli replied, Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. I didn't call my son, he replied, Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls to you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there and called as before, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel responded, speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do something in Israel that everyone who hears about it will shudder. On that day, I will carry out against Eli everything I said about his family from beginning to end. I told him that I'm going to judge his family forever because of the iniquity he knows about. His sons are cursing God, and he has not stopped them. Therefore, I have sworn to Eli's family, the iniquity of Eli's family will never be wiped out by either sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until the morning, and then he opened the doors of the Lord's house. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son, here I am, answered Samuel. What was the message he gave you, Eli asked. Don't hide it from me. May God punish you and do so severely if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and did not hide anything from him. Eli responded, he is the Lord. Let him do what he thinks is good. Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And he fulfilled everything Samuel prophesied. Uh, all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was confirmed a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh because there he revealed himself to Samuel by his word. The hope for a dark nation. What is the hope for a dark nation? There is hope as long as God's people have a bold witness. There is hope as long as God's people have a witness. Now there's some things happening. There's, there, there's some literal things happening in this story that also have a figurative importance. Eli is nearly blind. 
He can't see spiritually. He can't see physically, but he can't see spiritually. The word of the Lord is rare. He's not hearing from God, but Samuel hears from God. Verse 3 says, before the lamp of God had gone out. Eli, the high priest, is wicked. His sons are wicked. But can I tell you, the lamp of the Lord still has not gone out. There may be scandals in the churches of America, but as long as there are still faithful preachers of the Word of God, as long as there are still faithful people in the churches of our land who speak the truth and who share Christ with others, the lamp of God will not go out. It will continue to shine. I think light is one of the most powerful things you can imagine because light drives out darkness. There's something powerful about the light. God said, let there be light, and immediately light shone into the darkness. When Jesus came to this world, the Bible says that uh, uh, we beheld him, uh, the one and only, the begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth, and uh, he, he is our light. He is our light. He is, Jesus said of himself later on, I am the light of the world. So in order to be a light, you don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to have a Ph.D. Uh, all you have to do is have Christ in you and be willing to let Jesus use you. It's amazing what just a simple testimony uh, given in sincerity can do. Uh, I love that scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians. It says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. God's in this thing with us, isn't he? Uh, you, you and I may plant seeds. We may water seeds. We may uh, invite somebody into the kingdom of God, and they may say yes. But ultimately, it's God that does the heavy lifting. We're just the messengers and the instruments. And uh, as we're willing to be used, God can do powerful things through us. Um, I've shared with you before about... Uh, Speaking a few words and, you know, just taking a few moments uh, when I was in high school with uh, several different people and really not thinking that I had made all that much a difference in their lives, but just, just trying to be obedient to God. And found out months later, as they wrote in my yearbook, that they're still thinking about what we talked about before. See, that's the power of what God can do through us. I'm just a teenager, okay? I just knew I loved Jesus. I just wanted to tell somebody else what God has done for me. But if you're willing to be used, God can use you powerfully. Um, I heard uh, the, uh, one of the, the famous skeptics, he had a friend who was a, a Christian, was a simple man, but just had the joy of the Lord in his life. And many times... Uh, this man had tried to witness to him and tell him about Jesus. And uh, close to his death, he, he, he asked the man one more time, he said, tell me about Jesus again. He said, why do you want me to tell about Jesus? You don't even believe in him. He said, I want to hear you because I, you do believe in him. But, you know, I thought that was really interesting that you have this skeptic who claims not to believe in Jesus. He's saying, tell me about him again. Why? Because there was something supernaturally powerful about this simple man's words. Uh, I listen, uh, I, I, you, 
One of the greatest things in all the Bible is the interaction between the man who was healed by Jesus of his blindness. And he goes into the temple and the Pharisees are grilling him. Here you've got all the religious experts and they're saying, well, well, we know this man's not of God. You know, how'd this happen to you? And they're, they're giving him a hard time. And finally he just gets exasperated with him and says, well, one thing I know, once I was blind, but now I see. What can you say to that? Jesus changed me. It's kind of like the bumper sticker I saw. Uh, God is not dead. I spoke with him this morning. Uh, it's true. Listen, uh, somebody once asked William Lane Craig, the, the famous apologist, he said, if, if somebody had a powerful argument that you couldn't answer, would you renounce your faith? And he said, no. Uh, he, he said, I, I wouldn't because uh, a man with an experience is not at the mercy of a man with an argument. And so, uh, if you know Christ personally, you're not at the mercy of those who would try to come against your faith. But just that simple sharing and the obedience to what God has called you to do is such a powerful tool of God. And God will shine His light through you as you're willing to be obedient. You don't have to be eloquent. Uh, I love what Proverbs says, a gentle tongue can break a bone. Isn't that a vivid picture? Just gently, in love, share what God has put upon your heart to share, and you will be amazed what God will do with it. A bold witness will make a difference for the kingdom of God here in this world and will be a hope for a dark nation. Be faithful to share as God gives you those opportunities. So the hope for a dark nation, first of all, is a bold witness. Secondly, uh, what is the hope? It is uh, when God's people have a listening ear. So a bold witness, a listening ear. Of course, God is calling to Samuel. Three times he calls to Samuel. Samuel's new to this. He's inexperienced with this, and he doesn't recognize that it's God speaking. And finally, it occurs to Eli after three times. Maybe this is God. I mean, this tells you what a sorry state the, the nation of Israel was in. Here's the, the chief priest. He's not used to talking to God. It, it takes him three times to think, oh, well, maybe this is God. But when he finally gives Samuel this counsel, it's good counsel, he says, tell him, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. By the way, why would God speak to Samuel and not to Eli? Eli was unwilling to repent of his sin. Sin will quench the Spirit of God in your life and cut off God's communication to you. Uh, I heard one preacher say, sometimes people get into sin and they think the preacher has all of a sudden become boring and, and God's not speaking through the preacher anymore. It has nothing to do with the preacher. It has to do with them personally. They are sinning against God. And so the Spirit of God is quenched in their life and, and their life becomes a spiritual desert. And so Eli is unwilling to change. And if you look at verse 18, he is the Lord, let him do what he thinks is good. He, he, he could have humbled himself. He could have repented. He could have said, oh, I'm a sinner. Uh, Lord, forgive me. But he refused to repent. He just said, well, he's the Lord, let him do what he thinks is good. In other words, I'm not going to change. So having a listening ear begins with having a willing heart towards God 
and being willing to follow him and obey him in life. None of us are perfect at that. But as we have a surrendered heart, God can speak to us. So Samuel responds in verse 10, speak for your servant is listening. Now, God speaks to us in a number of ways. He speaks through his word. Uh, that's the primary and the chief and the, the, the highest way that he speaks to us is through his word. He also speaks to us through the people of God. Uh, sometimes he speaks through circumstances. He speaks through the creation, uh, all these different ways. Uh, but one of the most precious ways that God speaks to us is through his Holy Spirit. And as we're open to hear from him, um, I've never heard an audible voice. Now, Samuel does hear an audible voice. Um, I have heard, not very often, but I have heard a couple of people give testimonies of hearing an audible voice. But listen, I don't need to hear an audible voice. The Holy Spirit lives within me. And so he can, can prompt me in my spirit and uh, guide me in my spirit. Uh, the Bible says that uh, where the peace of God is, uh, uh, that, uh, that God uh, will lead us. And, he, and so as we walk in his peace, as we're walking closely with him, the Holy Spirit will guide us. And as we listen to him, he can take what would ordinarily be an ordinary service to God and he can make it extraordinary. Why? Because he has perfect wisdom. He has perfect power. He knows just what to say, just what to do at just the right time. And so as we're willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, he can, he can use us in a profound way. Um, it, it's at times in my life I have seen God use this in, in, in a powerful way in my life and I've seen how God profoundly influenced somebody because I listened now sometimes I failed to listen and I saw possibly what was the result of my failure to listen to God such as the time I, I, I failed to witness to the man that God prompted me to witness to because I was tired and out of sorts and I didn't want to do it. And uh, as I've shared with you before, uh, he went home, he shot his girlfriend and shot himself. Now, perhaps he would have said, I'm not listening to that garbage, uh, you know, and he, he would have rejected me uh, and the outcome would have been the same, but I'll never know that. Because I was unwilling to listen to that prompting of the Holy Spirit in my heart. But other times that I have seen how God's worked through it. Sometimes when it made no sense to me. Uh, like the time God told me to confront my buddy in the military and he, about his, about his uh, cursing. Okay, I didn't want to do that. It was uncomfortable for me. I, I've never liked uh, uh, open confrontation and, but God laid upon my heart to ask him a simple question in confrontation and to see uh, what would happen. And so finally, after wrestling with it for a couple of days, I did it. And he dragged me into the side room and he began to weep. And we spent the rest of the time talking about Jesus in the side room. And I thought, wow, why didn't I listen to God the first day he spoke to my heart? See, God knows exactly what's going on in somebody's heart. 
And so as, as you allow yourself to be used by God, or perhaps it's that just that letter of encouragement, you send a letter of encouragement because God's given you the gift of encouragement, or you speak a word of encouragement uh, that God lays upon your heart to share, and, and it comes at just the right time in somebody's life. And perhaps you don't even understand what's going on in their life. You don't have any idea of their circumstances. But you are obedient to God and you will never know the difference you made in that person's life. That's the power of, of following the Holy Spirit's leadership. Because when you listen to Him, then God is doing His work through you. So Samuel was willing to listen. Now God didn't give him a very popular message. He he told him about uh, what he was going to do to Eli's house and so forth. And saying he was nervous about sharing it. But he was obedient and he did share it um, as Eli challenged him to share. And God began to fulfill his purpose through Samuel's life. Sometimes listening to God will take you out of your comfort zone. It definitely did with Samuel. Here's the man who's been mentoring him his entire life. He's the one who said, speak, Lord, your servant hears, right? This is what you ought to say, Samuel. And, and for the first time in Samuel's life, Samuel is bringing a word of confrontation to Eli because God told him to do it. Very uncomfortable, very awkward. Uh, uh, reminds me, David was having an interchange with a, with a buddy at school one time. And he said, awkward, <laughs> you know, uh, but definitely it would have been awkward for, for Eli and awkward for Samuel uh, in this conversation, but Samuel's obedient to God, and it began his prophetic ministry uh, for God. And this became the thing that God regularly did through his life. And so as you listen to God, uh, it begins a pattern in your life of you being used more effectively for him. And that's why it's a hope for a dark nation. Who has the power to change this nation? God does. Who has the power to change leadership? God does. He holds the hearts of kings in his hand. Who has the power to bring revival? God does. You see, as we are obedient instruments in his hands, we become the tools that he uses to accomplish his purpose. So hope for a dark nation, what is the hope? There's hope as long as God's people have a bold witness, a listening ear. Thirdly, a divine promise. I love that. Divine promise. Now this is a negative promise, but it's a promise nonetheless. Look at verse 12. On that day, I will carry out against Eli everything I said about his family from beginning to end. Everything. So... God had told Eli, the latter part of chapter 2, we didn't focus on that a whole lot when we were in chapter 2, but God told Eli, I'm going to remove the priesthood from your family and I'm going to give it to another priest who will follow me and serve me after my heart. And, um, and that indeed happened later on in history. Um, and, and God kept his promise. But God has given Samuel a promise. This is what I'm going to do. And Samuel shares this promise based on this promise. Uh, divine promises, whether they are positive or negative, are what bring hope to our lives. Why did this divine promise bring hope to the, the people of that dark nation? 
because God was dealing with the problem of sin in the country. Um, and after God dealt with this, this wickedness in their leadership, it would bring in a new time of God's blessing and God's favor upon the nation under Samuel's leadership. So this divine promise was something he could stake his life upon. Now, I don't know that Samuel looked at it that way right at the beginning. But God was teaching him that, Samuel, when I tell you something, when I give you a promise, you can take it to the bank. There is a promise of an eternal hell. That's not a, good, that's not a, a popular promise. But there's a promise of an eternal hell for those who refuse to trust Christ. Those who go into eternity without Jesus Christ will be there forever. That's God's promise. Why is that a good thing? Because if people hear that promise, they just might be smart enough to give their heart and life to Jesus Christ so that they can avoid what will definitely happen without Jesus in their lives. But the promises also help us persevere when things are difficult. I mentioned Jeremiah. Uh, God gave promises to the people so that during the time of the captivity they could have hope. God gave a promise to Abraham so that during the times of difficulty, uh, being an alien and a stranger in a foreign land, uh, Abraham could lift up his eyes in faith to what God was going to do, and he could persevere in serving God despite the difficulties. The promises of God carry us through. Listen, God's given us some great precious promises, and one of my favorite promises he's given us is that one day Jesus is coming. And, and that brings a perspective to all of life. Um, because one day the struggle and the heartache of this world will be over. And as we take one day at a time, and as we serve God, and as we are obedient to Him, and, uh, and, and do what He asks us to do, uh, one day the struggle and the battle will be over. And we will enter eternity. And there'll be no struggle. There'll be no heartache. There'll be no pain. There'll be no sickness. There'll be no bad news. But we will live in the fullness of God's blessing forever and ever and ever. This light and momentary suffering is not worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory that is yet to come. Isn't that an exciting thing to think about? Whatever The worst light and momentary suffering. We were talking about this in Sunday school this morning. The, over Nigeria, thousands of people are being killed who name the name of Christ. I, I can't imagine. That's probably a mercy. Those who survive will probably have it worse than those who, who've been killed. Um, but the, the persecution around the world that Christians are experiencing because they name the name of Christ... One day that will be over and it's a light and momentary suffering compared with the glory that is yet to come. Meditate on that a while. That'll put you on shouting ground. This is a promise of God. Listen, I want to tell you there's hope for a dark nation when we have the promise of God. The world was turned upside down. When the early church was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. God hadn't changed. He's the same today as he was then. He can still do it. 
today. So hold to those divine promises. As we have those divine promises, we can carry on those dark times, difficult times in serving God. Hope for dark nation. There's hope as long as God's people have a bold witness, a listening ear, a divine promise. Fourthly, a clear rebuke. Eli tells Samuel to share it. Look at verse 18. So Samuel told him everything and did not hide anything from him. A clear rebuke. God laid upon his heart a rebuke to share with with Eli. I don't really like to preach messages that are rebuke messages. I just don't like them. I'd rather preach something, you know, that is encouraging and, you know, that, you know, yeah, God's, you know, God's on our side kind of, kind of message. But sometimes God calls me to preach a message of rebuke. But as uncomfortable as that is, it may just be what turns somebody back from a path of destruction. God told Ezekiel, he said, uh, Ezekiel, I'm going to give you a message to share. People aren't going to listen to you. How's that for encouragement? <laughs> he says, uh, I love what he said. He said, their, their, their foreheads are like flint. So Ezekiel, I'm going to make your forehead like flint. You're going to be just as hard-headed as they are. And uh, I don't know, they must have been Baptists or something, you know. But uh, uh, God has to have a sense of humor putting those things in the Bible. But... Um, God told Ezekiel, he said, Ezekiel, if you share the message of judgment that I've called you to share, whether they listen to you or not, the blood will not be on your hands. But if you fail to share, I will require their blood at your hand. As I've looked back over my ministry, and I've seen at times people go astray and go down a path of sin or whatever the case may be, um, it causes me to do soul searching. And, and uh, I said, Lord, you know, I don't want to hold back on messages of rebuke. Uh, as Spurgeon said, Lord, help me not to dull the sword of the, word of, the, of the Word of God. Help me preach it clear, straight, and strong. Because a straight message sometimes is what gets somebody's attention. I, I was talking about this in Sunday school this morning too. Uh, when I was 10 years old, I heard a message entitled Religion Versus Repentance. And he, he, he went down all the different things you can do in church and be lost. He basically named just about everything anybody could do in church. And he said, you can still be lost. And I was kind of scratching my head. He says, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And the Holy Spirit took that scripture like a knife and pierced my heart with it. And he said, Roger, you're a pretender. You've never repented of your sin. It was a hard, it was a hard straight, strong message, but it was exactly what I needed. And for about a year, I began to struggle with that and finally came to the place where I gave my heart to Christ. I know in our age of political correctness, we're told that we're not to offend anybody. We're to speak the truth in love. And 
as we speak the truth in love, the Bible says that there will be an offense to the cross. If you preach the gospel and if you talk to people about their sin and you tell them the only hope they have is in Jesus, some people are going to get offended. Tell them anyway. Because as you tell them, it's the only hope they have of getting off the wrong path and onto the right path. We rebuke people we love, don't we? You love somebody enough and you see them going down a harmful path, you're going to pull them aside and you're going to say, look, I love you. I don't want to, I, I'm worried about the direction you're headed. Please stop doing this and turn back toward God. Have you ever had one of those conversations with one of your family members? Why do you do that? Because you love them. We need to ask God to give us our Savior's heart of love for people who are lost. It's easy to forget about what it used to feel like to be lost. It's easy to forget the reality of what's coming for people who are lost. A dear friend in Texas used to pray, Lord, help us to see lost people the way you see them. What a great prayer. I stole that from him. <laughs> help us see lost people the way you see them. Lord, give us your heart of love for people who desperately need to hear the truth. Don't do it in an ugly way. Do it in a gentle way. But do it. Clear rebuke as the Holy Spirit leads you is so important. Don't try to do it in the energy of your flesh. But as God leads you, be willing to obey. So, there's hope for a nation as long as God's people are willing to give a bold witness, have a listening ear, receive a divine promise, give a clear rebuke, and share an anointed word. After Samuel was obedient in these different ways, verse 21 says, The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh. I'm just going to stop there. I intended to read the whole verse, but that's just too good to wait. When we are obedient in these things, God will continue to appear in our lives. He'll continue to appear in our families. He'll continue to appear in our church. He'll continue to appear in our nation. That's where the hope is. Listen, apart from him, we can do nothing. But when he shows up and when he is at work and when he is speaking into the situation, everything can change. He continued to appear. He, he said, and he revealed himself to Samuel by his word. An anointed word is the hope of a dark nation. God's given it to us. In the pages of scripture. The word of the Lord. Changes and converts the soul. The psalmist says. It enlightens the eyes. 
It gives wisdom to the heart. The one who meditates on Scripture will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water bringing its fruit in this season. The author of Hebrews says the Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing of soul and spirit and joints and marrows and is the revealer of the thoughts and meditations of the heart. As we share God's Word, there's a supernatural power to it that cuts right to the core. Paul told Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God as God breathed and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. This anointed word is our hope. It's amazing to me how many people try to marginalize the word of God. And they say, we don't need to, to preach. People won't listen to the word of God. Listen, Whether they listen to it or not, we better speak it because it's the hope of our nation. People have substituted pop psychology for God's word. They've tried to minister to felt needs, but God himself knows the needs of the human heart better than anybody else. And what the human heart needs is found in the pages of God's word. An anointed word. Share the scripture. You say, well, I'm not a theologian. You don't have to be. When When God blesses you through his word in your quiet time, tell somebody about it. Isn't that pretty simple? Say, God just blessed me this morning, and here's how he did it. This is what I read. Powerful. Do that with your kids. Do that with your grandkids. Do that with your friends. Um, If they're open to it, some of them may not be open, as the Holy Spirit leads you. Uh, But be willing to share God's truth, and especially the truth of the gospel, because the key to hope for our nation is God's word. Uh, God told Jeremiah, remember I said he he had a hard ministry? He said, it's not my word like fire and like a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces. I came across that verse when I was early in my ministry and I was receiving pressure from some people in my church to not preach expositionally in the word. And I came across that, that verse and I thought, wow. That's exactly what I needed. And I wrote that verse down, and I set it on my desk, and I thought, wow, I'm going to memorize that verse. I'm going to live by that verse. But you know what? I found that verse is true. I shared with you this morning about the revival that God brought to that very church through the Word of God, through the prayers of God's people. It's an amazing thing what God can do through His Word. Don't apologize for it. Just share it. Uh, Somebody said to Spurgeon, how would you defend the word of God? He said, defend it. He said, it's a lion. Just let it loose. It's amazing what God will do through his word if we'll just let it loose. That's the hope for a dark nation. And, of course, if we talk about God's hope for a dark nation, we ultimately look beyond Samuel to Jesus Samuel is a type of Christ, a picture, pattern of the righteous Savior yet to come. Who would die for our sins and be raised again. And he himself is our hope. 
He is the one who inhabits us, and he is the one who enables us to do these things that we've talked about here. He is the one, the only one, who can help somebody be born again, change from the inside out. And that's where our hope will come from. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And so as we come to God and as we humble ourselves and as we follow God in humility as Samuel did, God will release his divine power to change things. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that you've given us for a dark nation. Lord, I don't think our nation is in some ways, in some areas, as wicked as, as Israel was then, but then in other ways it is. Uh, but Lord, I thank you, no matter how dark things may be, that we know the person who is the light of the world. Lord, turn on your, your light.